today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. They didn't reject the authority of man because they understood the greater authority of God. And they weren't moved by the power of man because they understood the greater power of their God. And they didn't fear the temporary threats of man because they knew the eternal promises of their God. So the question is, is how about you? Are you focused on kingdom living? Or are you led by temporary passions? Are you submitted to the eternal plan of God? Or do you resist and fight against temporary personal discomforts? When we read the headlines or tune in to the daily news, we might be tempted to become discouraged. Nations squabble with other nations just as the neighbor down the street disputes with another neighbor down the street. In today's message, Pastor David encourages us to keep an eternal perspective. Though earthly governments are corrupt and evil people do sometimes prevail, God is sovereign over it all and His good plan cannot be thwarted. Therefore, we can endure all things because of the hope that Christ has set before us. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message, Kingdom Living, from the book of 1 Peter, chapter 2. Sure, we can honor the king as long as he's from our political party. And absolutely, we can live our lives as bond servants to the Lord. As long as God keeps us physically safe, as long as he allows us to sleep, as long as he doesn't require us to move out of our comfort zones, sure, I'll submit to God as long as it doesn't cost me anything. The problem we have really is is our failure to look at at the bigger picture of what's going on. We worry too much. We, and I'm throwing myself in this big boat, okay? We worry too much about the temporary details while God is working on this huge, wide canvas of his creation, of his kingdom's plan and purpose much longer much larger, much grander than just that small little portion that we are a part of. And we worry about our details. God is speaking here through Peter about kingdom living. He's speaking about kingdom principles. And we can't miss this. We can't simply skim over this and say it doesn't apply because it does apply to us. It applies to us as citizens of heaven living in this foreign land. And remember last week we talked about how we are called a peculiar people. Well, this is part of that peculiarity that we need to be, that though we are citizens of heaven, yet we also submit ourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king is supreme or to governors. We honor the king. 
I'm not getting a whole lot of amens out of this morning's message. I, under, I understand that. I, I understood that as I was preparing for it. This isn't one of those, you're right on, preacher, go for it. Yeah. The life of humility and the life of submission is what kingdom living is all about. It's a life that sometimes gets directed into places of great discomfort. Oh, but God wouldn't put me in a place that was uncomfortable, would he? For me, as as his child, he wouldn't lead me to a place that was unpleasant to be in, would he? If you don't know the answer to that question, you probably need to read your Bible a little bit more, okay? Because the fact is, is that's exactly what God does. Because refining and purifying is always, always an uncomfortable position. And beloved, every one of us, every one of us need to be refined and purified. Oh, pastor, I've already been through the furnace. You just can't believe my day yesterday. (laughs) Beloved, it, it is a life of purifying. It is a life of refining. While we're here, we're going through that process. Oh, hey, I I know some days are harder than others. I understand that. But for all of us, if we are actually going to be used by God in any way, he will bring us into that refining, that purifying process. To help drive the matter a little bit deeper into home, keep your place in 1 Peter And go with me, if you would, over to Romans chapter 13. Now, if you're ever going to lead a Bible study in prison or in jail, don't start off with Romans 13, okay? (laughs) Just kind of a, a hint for you there. Kind of give you a little bit of encouragement. You don't want that to be the first study that you do in prison or in jail, okay? Now, you need to get there eventually because they need to hear it. But don't start out with this one. Because in Romans chapter 13, Paul speaking to all of us, he writes these words, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. How many of you understand that is the word of God that's still relevant for us today? Verse 2 says, Therefore, Whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Again, if you're doing a prison or a a jail ministry, at this point in time, you just want to look up and smile real big, okay? Because you want them to know that you're not, like, condemning them. You're just reading the Word of God. This isn't your idea. This is God's idea. But we go on with it. Verse 3 says, for rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of authority? Then do what is good, and you'll have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, be very afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister, an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this, now I'm really stepping on toes, because of this, you also pay taxes. 
for they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, custom to whom customs are due, fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor. Sounds a whole lot like what Jesus said when he says, Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. This whole submission to authority thing, this, beloved, this is true kingdom living. And it goes against the grain of so many of us and some of us more than others. But the fact is, is we don't have the nature of submission, do we? We have a nature of rebelling and wanting my own way. But kingdom living changes that. This is when our heavenly citizenship really kicks in and the flesh needs to be brought under control. But you might be saying, well, that's pretty easy for Peter and Paul to say they don't know what we're dealing with here. After all, we've got a liberal in the White House. Really? We do that, but do you know what was going on in the first century? The time that Jesus spoke that about rendering to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. The time that Paul wrote the book of Romans. The time that Peter is writing to us here in First Peter. The Roman Empire was controlled by the Caesars. These men were godless pagans who would execute Christians just for sport. It was shortly after the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus in A.D. 37. When Gaius Caesar was named empire or emperor of the Roman Empire. Now Gaius Caesar, you may not remember that name. You may know him a little bit better by his nickname called Little Boots, which in Greek is Caligula. Caligula, one of the worst of the worst, profane of the profane, gross of the gross absolutely filled with murder, immorality, and total disregard for anything that was right and pure. Well, he reigned from about A.D. 37 to A.D. 41. He was assassinated, by the way. Well, after Caligula's death, his uncle Claudius became the emperor. And shortly after becoming the emperor, Claudius had his first wife executed because she had conspired to kill him. And then he decided he still needs to be married, so he marries his niece, who had been married prior to another family member. And his niece, Agrippina the Younger, she had a son from a previous marriage, and his name was Lucius Domitius, another name you ought to be familiar with. He also went by another name, a fellow by the name of Nero. Now, after Claudius adopts Nero as his own son, he puts then Nero in line to be the next emperor of Rome. And legend has it that now Claudius's wife, Agrippina, she poisons Claudius by feeding him poisoned mushrooms. And while he's trying to extract the poisoned mushrooms because his whole system is fighting against it, the way that they did it back then is they would take a feather and stick it down their throat to try and get the poison out. She wanted to help him, so she was the one who was giving him feathers to do that. And before she gave him the feathers, she would dip it in more poison and give it to him. 
Well, after he died, her son, Nero, then became Caesar. But shortly after Nero became Caesar, he murdered his mom because he couldn't trust her. Then in the year of AD 64, around the time of the writing of First Peter, as Peter is saying, hey, you know what? You need to honor the king. Around that time was the great fire of Rome that lasted for six days and seven nights. Ten out of 14 districts within Rome were damaged, some of them completely destroyed. And rumors circulated that during that time, Nero was kind of fiddling around. He was dancing and partying during that time. So to kind of avert the attention from him, Nero blamed the Christians and had uh, many of them arrested and then fed to lions or crucified. I say all that for you to understand what was going on in the world, in the world that Paul and Peter were living in when they said these things and this call for you and I, for the children of the heavenly kingdom living as foreigners and sojourners that we need to honor the king. And we're worried about the agenda of the liberals. And beloved, I'm not saying we shouldn't be concerned, but this kind of brings it hopefully a little bit more into perspective. First, to understand that where we're at, we still have a tremendous amount of freedoms. The Bible wasn't written during the 21st century and directly to middle class America. But it is appropriate for us and God expects us to take it and apply it within our lives. It was written originally to a people whose entire life was under the absolute oppression of a total pagan government, and yet they don't change the words. Peter and Paul write the truth and the principles for that people but it's also written for you and I to urge us as citizens of the heavenly kingdom to, as Peter says, submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, rather to the king as supreme or to governors. Honor the king. Or as Paul declared, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God and the authorities that exist. They're appointed by God. Paul is writing this during this time frame. He says, therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinances of God. Beloved, as, as, as uncomfortable as that is for each one of us, that is true kingdom living. Because this world is not my home. I have a heavenly home, and I'm here temporarily, but for a breath, but for a whisper. But the honest question has to be, and at And it needs an honest biblical answer. The question is, what happens when that authority asks us or requires us to do something that we know is contrary to the command of God? That's an honest question. We need to know what the Bible says about that. Back in the book of Acts, in chapter 4, we find Peter. Yeah, the same one that's the author here. 
of 1 Peter. We find Peter under arrest along with John the Apostle because they had been preaching about Jesus there in the temple. And as they stood before the Jewish leadership there in Acts chapter 4, verse 5 says that they were there before the rulers, before the elders and the scribes, as well as uh, Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest. And they were commanded, verse 18 tells us, they were commanded by these Jewish rulers not to speak at all or to teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Now you have to understand that at this point in time, Peter and John, they had no idea what the penalty was going to be for making the declaration that they just made before all of these rulers. Yet they were willing to pay the price for godly obedience and civil disobedience. They could have been beaten, they could have been imprisoned, or or, or both. Yet they spoke actually with honor to those who were above them. And yet they said what they had to say, and then waited for the consequences of it. Well, in this case, we find that the Jewish leaders, in verse 21, simply threatened them, and they let them go. But as you continue reading on here in Acts, we find that's not the end of it. We find on through Acts that there were many who were beaten because they continued to speak. There were many who were in prison. There were many who were executed because they continued to speak for the name of Christ. But that's not the end of the story for Peter and John here. And like I say a lot of time, that's not all. There's more. In this case, Peter and John, they left the temple. They went back and met with the other disciples, the other brothers, and they filed a lawsuit against the leaders, threatening to limit because they were limiting their civil liberties. That didn't happen, did it? As a matter of fact, they went back to the other believers. And I love what it says there in Acts 4, beginning in verse 23. He says, being let go, they, Peter and John, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And so when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God. You made heaven and earth and the sea and all that's in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. Verse 27, for truly against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look upon their threats and get them, God. Oh, wait a minute. That that was my version. I'm sorry. That's not what happened. He said, now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness we may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Amazing, isn't it? 
Lord, with all these threats, you know, they could imprison us. They could beat us. They could execute us. But Lord, we are asking that you would give us boldness to be able to stand for the right, to be able to speak the right thing. Beloved, that's true kingdom living because it has an eternal perspective. And here's the kicker of it all in verse 31. When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Do you think that would have happened at the steps of the courthouse as they brought a suit against these leaders? Don't believe so. These were men and women who could live on nothing greater than faith. And the assurance that God is in control of this, it's not me. Does that mean that we don't use the law? No, you've got to read all the word, get it all in context. They were getting ready to beat Paul one day, and Paul says, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Is it right that you'd beat a Roman citizen? And they backed off and said, whoa, we didn't realize you were a Roman citizen. So I'm not saying it. What I'm trying to do is get us out of the worldly system, though, and into that heavenly kingdom and that heavenly mind frame that we need to be as sojourners and pilgrims because we default so quickly to the world system. But beloved, whose image is planted on you? Are you rendering to Caesar? Or are you rendering to God the things that are God's? In this system, they, they didn't reject the authority of man. Because they understood the greater authority of God. And they weren't moved by the power of man because they understood the greater power of their God. And they didn't fear the temporary threats of man because they knew the eternal promises of their God. So the question is, is how about you? Are you focused on kingdom living or are you led by temporary passions? Are you submitted to the eternal plan of God or do you resist and fight against temporary personal discomforts? All throughout first Peter, actually all throughout the word of God, we are called to submit to the work and the plan of God in our lives to render unto God the things that are God's. And in that process, beloved, We need to submit ourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to the governor, as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. I want to close with one more verse in First Peter, over in chapter 5. In chapter 5, verse 6 and 7, you and I as sojourners, you and I as pilgrims, you and I as foreigners within this land, listen to what he says in verse 6 of chapter 5 of First Peter. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you.
Though we've come to the end of our time with you today on The Open Word, you don't have to wait to hear more from Pastor David Landry. In fact, Pastor David's here to tell you more. Thanks, Chris. The Open Word has an archive of previous messages ready to be listened to, downloaded, and shared at theopenword.com. Simply click on the teachings link at the top of the page. You can also take The Open Word with you as you go by subscribing to our podcasts. This can be done through our website or by searching for The Open Word on iTunes. By subscribing, you'll have sound biblical teachings with you anytime and anywhere. Thanks, Pastor David. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast as well. As soon as we post a new message from The Open Word, you'll receive a notification. This way, you'll never miss an update. While you're on our website, you can learn more about what we believe as a ministry, as well as find out ways to support us. One way is through prayer, something we're always grateful for. We need to make sure we're focusing first on Jesus, then on what we're creating. We want every edition of The Open Word to come from the Savior, not from us. Your prayers for us help us do this. Would you also pray for the listeners of The Open Word? Pray that hearts and ears would be open to Jesus and that the gospel will continue to spread throughout the earth. Thanks for praying, and thanks for tuning in today to The Open Word.